Good morning and happy Mother's Day. Those on watching online, we welcome you on this special day. On this uh, day, we honor mothers. Um, just so happens that on this day, I have a story of my own stellar achievements as a daughter <laughs> for my mom. So uh, just a few days ago, I asked mom, by the way, if it's okay if I told this story. And she said, no. <laughs> I'm going to tell it anyway. Oh, no, she did say yes. She was asleep, but she said yes. <laughs> that I could tell this story. And so, you know, mom has this thing to get back at us for everything we did as children. She said, I'm just going to fall for them. And so she falls to make us go. <gasps> so <clears throat> this happened the other day. And it's a deal where... You think that you've guarded all the bases, where you've covered everything. And by the way, y'all don't judge me through this story. All right? I'll judge you back if you do. <laughs> so I thought I had everything covered. And I'm at her house dropping her off after we, her hair appointment and all that. And soon as a deal where you situate the walker and you make sure she's not going <laughs> to, the way she's looking at me, the way you make sure she's not going to fall out of the van. And so I had it all covered. And... This is what you do when you get in and out of the vehicle and everywhere you go and at the house and all this. So we have it all covered. And I'm sure y'all never experience ever being frazzled. I get frazzled sometimes. And so she gets out of the van and I go to open up the garage door and turn around just in time to see her falling. It's like slow motion. And it's more of a slow collapse than it is a fall. And... With my bum, knee, and ankle, I'm like, well, there's no hope of me catching her. So <laughs> you just watch it happen. <laughs> so, but I got angry and frustrated because I had done everything to safeguard, and it happened anyway. So being the mature believer that I am, I grabbed the keys, and I threw them to the ground. And then I saw her book, uh, Joyce Meyer book, A Battlefield of the Mind, and I threw it to the ground. <laughs> And then I feel this pat on my lower leg, and she says, it's okay. <laughs> and it was then that I snapped out of it and said, oh, are you okay? <laughs> She's laying on the ground going like this. <laughs> so, if any one of y'all calls Adult Protective Services, <laughs> I'm not going to be your friend anymore. So, happy Mother's Day, Mom. <laughs> So, see, that wasn't too bad, was it, Mom? No. And the fall wasn't quite that bad. I'm, I assure you, if she was bleeding, I would have only thrown the keys and not the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> there we go. So, on Mother's Day, we do want to honor our moms, even if we do it and fumble through it and fumble ourselves as mothers through it all. Um, that's what God's mercy and grace are for every single day. So, we're going to go to Him in prayer. Father, thank you this morning that you were the one who ordained and created the family, marriage, motherhood, fatherhood. It's designed by you, and it's beautiful in your design, Lord. And so this morning, we just thank you that um, for each of us who have our moms here, still here, and even for those, Lord, whose moms have moved to heaven, Lord, we just thank you for this Mother's Day. We thank you, Lord, for especially those moms who led us to the Lord, who led us by example in their serving of you. And Lord, we pray a blessing over the moms and grandmas and, 
and even the fur mamas in here today, we pray a blessing over the women in this room. And we thank you for the men that support them and encourage them and are there for them. So, Lord, we thank you most of all this morning for your word. And we thank you that it's anointed and the truth of your word brings freedom. And so we honor your word this morning, Father. We honor you. In Jesus, your precious name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Have any one of you ever said any of these things? I'm done. I'm sick and tired. That's it. I've had enough. I've had it all I can take. I've had it up to here. That is getting on my nerves. I could really do without that. That's driving me up the wall. I give up. I can't. I won't. I'm about to. Well, isn't that just great? When it rains, it pours. You've got to be kidding me. And my favorite three, whatever. Seriously? And ugh. Ugh covers a lot. (laughs) Ugh keeps you from saying bad words. Life presents challenges, big and small. The big challenges are a true test of our faith. The health crisis, the loss of a loved one, financial disaster, divorce. Those are the big challenges. They usually have an end point. It's oftentimes the small, nagging challenges that recur. Am I right? The recurring challenges. They pop up like whack-a-mole. And they're a true test. The mundane job, the unreasonable boss, the marital challenges, the financial pressure, the physical aches, boredom, unmet dreams. I want you to say a word with me. Perseverance. Perseverance. That's the word I want us to remember. It's synonymous with endurance. So the Bible uses each of the words in different verses, but they're somewhat interchangeable. There was a man, when he was two years old, he fell out of a second-story window and fractured his skull. When he was six years old, he mistakenly drank boric acid. When he was nine years old, he fell over a small cliff and broke his leg. When he was 11 years old, he contracted measles and was in a coma for nine days. When he was 14 years old, he broke his arm when he caught it in a carriage door. When he was 19 years old, he was struck on the head by a falling brick. When he was 23 years old, he almost died from the effects of tainted wine. When he was 29 years old, Adolf Sachs invented the saxophone. So all you who swoon over Kenny G, you need to thank Adolf Sachs for persevering, for keeping on. Isn't that how life is sometimes? It's just one thing after another after another. And we have to make a decision like he did a lot of times to persevere. Perseverance means to persist or maintain a purpose in spite of opposition or discouragement. It comes from the Latin root through severity. Persevere through severity. It is a sustained determination and a fortitude. One of the foundational scriptures, if you have your Bibles and want to turn to Hebrews 10.36, very simple. Hebrews 10.36 says this. You... For you have need of endurance. Have need of what? Endurance. If you move over a little bit to Hebrews chapter 12, and the verse first, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, 
Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. I want us to remember that as we go through today's message. What are we battling? What are you battling? What am I battling to persevere in? Is there something making the race that Hebrews talks about hard for us? Is there something that makes that race seem like, uh, some days I feel like it, sometimes I don't. Does it sometimes feel like your last place in that race, barely making it? What is it we're battling to persevere through? Are you tempted to grow weary or faint-hearted in Hebrews, in the previous chapters, because the church was going through much persecution in this time, there's a whole list of heroes of the faith. In Hebrews chapter 10 and 11, it lists those heroes of the faith. It's a distinguished list of biblical heroes and heroines that ran their race and finished the course. They're like Moses, Joseph, Sarah, Isaac, Noah. They made it into the Faith Hall of Fame. And here, all these years later, we sit and read their names. What about us? Hebrews tells us that they have spoken through their testimony. When it talks about this, a great cloud of witnesses, it's talking about them testifying of what they did in endurance through their race. And they're testifying as, a, as if you would in court. They're giving testimony as a witness that it can be done, that God is faithful. Their lives are a witness and a, a testimony. There are components of perseverance. We're going to talk about a handful of them, of components. You're going to love this one. This is the first and necessary component of perseverance. Pain and pressure. Woohoo! Everybody, <laughs> pain and pressure. Guess what you can't have without pain and pressure? You can't have perseverance because there's nothing to persevere through. Pain and pressure are common to the individual. All of us experience or have experienced difficulty. 2 Timothy 3.12 tells us, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. And I'm pretty sure he said all. We're going to turn real quick to Romans. Romans chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. While we're turning there, remind yourself of the word perseverance. Perseverance. Let me make, no, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. If I can find my spot. And not only this, but with joy, let us exult. And this is an amplified Bible. Exult in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships. Doesn't make sense, but it's what it says. Knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, and trouble produce patient endurance. And endurance, proven character, spiritual maturity, and proven character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation. Such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit that he's given us. Why are pain and pressure components of perseverance? Because of that, they bring a maturing. They bring a strengthening. They bring a growing. Adversity helps us to learn to endure. I brought with me today a river rock. We took this without permission, otherwise stole it from someone's lawn. <laughs> I made Samuel do it, so if the police come, he goes, I don't. I was just the getaway driver. <laughs> so here we have a river rock. How is a river rock form? 
with water. And guess how else it's formed? With other rocks hitting against it. By the way, this rigor rock is filthy. <laughs> we should have washed it first. But the river rock is formed not necessarily by the force of the water, but by the persistence of the water over the course of time and by the force of the other rocks coming against it. What does it do? It smooths out the rough edges. Anybody in here have rough edges? Raise your hand or I'm going to point at you. Okay. <laughs> you do, you do. It smooths out the rough edges over the course of what? Time. So the pain and the pressure that this rock goes through, it starts out jagged, but over the course of time and through the pressure, it smooths out the edges. The other rocks can represent people. The other rocks are the people. Have you ever been roughed up by another person? <laughs> well, just think of it this way. God's smoothing out your edges. You perhaps are sitting next to another rock at this moment. I don't know. <laughs> And they're roughing out your edges. Those stones, that friction, that abrasion, that persistent pressure is what creates the smoothness and the beauty of a river rock. <clears throat> Second component of perseverance is time. Time is a component of perseverance simply because we can't say we persevered unless we've had some time to do it. You'll never hear someone say, oh, I'll never forget that 10-minute season of my life where my faith was tested. I'm practically Abraham. <clears throat> In order to have legitimate perseverance, we have to have what? The passage of time. So, yay, pain and time. Aren't we having fun now? <laughs> pain and time. Time is what creates it. 10-minute trials don't create perseverance. The, the bigger trials, the repetitive trials, the things that come at us constantly, that's what creates the maturity and the strength. It gives us the opportunity to practice perseverance. In particular, when we go through nagging recurring trials that life can hold, we have the opportunity for the repetition that creates the perseverance. Think of a dripping faucet. A few weeks ago, I, I often leave a little bit of water in the sink to soak maybe silverware or something in. And in our kitchen faucet, if you don't turn it off just right, it has this slow drip. And if you don't hear it, you just kind of don't remember to do that. So I woke up one morning and go into the kitchen, and it's at the brim. The sink is like, if you went like that, it's going to go shh. That drip had happened all night long until it took the water from here to here. You think, oh, it's just a drip. It's just one little drip at a time. One little drip at a time. That's the effect of repetition, of a cumulative effect. When we have constant trials, when we have things that pressure us, when we have daily pains of life, cumulatively it can create a strength in us, an endurance in us. It, it, it can build us up. For example, if you have a failing marriage, what do you do with that? Start with, say, God, help me with one more day. Help me to make it one more day. And then the next day, ask him the same thing. And the day after that, ask him the same thing. And when it's going okay, ask him again. And when it's a mess and difficult, ask him again. And when you feel weak and hopeless, ask him again. 
add to the asking your faith, add to the asking your obedience, add to the asking gratitude, add to it the truth of the word of God. Ask him again and again and again and don't give up. Keep asking him and allow him to sustain you. I told this a couple weeks ago. It's a Joyce Meyer story um, to the, in, in pre-service prayer about the donkey, an old donkey who fell in a hole. And the farmer tried and tried to get him out of the hole. And he couldn't get him out. And he said, you know what? He's an old donkey. Let's just bury him. So they put shovels of dirt on him. And so they'd put a shovel of dirt, and that donkey would shake it off and step on top of the dirt. And they'd put another shovel of dirt on his back, and that donkey would shake it off and step on top of the dirt. And with each shovel of dirt, the donkey shook off the dirt and stood on it until he was where? At the top of the hole at the ground level. And that's what perseverance is. It's saying, I'm going to take whatever's thrown at me and I'm going to allow with God's help to shake that off and keep going up until I'm out of that pit. Anyone ever been in a pit? Time allows for progress. In 1 Peter, it talks about our faith being tested by fire. Whoosh. I think I'll take the water. (laughs) I don't want the fire. But our faith is tested by fire. There's an aspect of our lives that cause, for me personally, that causes, that brings a consistent opportunity to feel the sting of rejection. Has been in place for many, many years. A personal area of what we do that provides opportunity for rejection. Anybody ever felt the sting of rejection? The sting of being walked away from, the sting that that can hold. And that has been one of the hardest things in my life to endure through. But it has also been the one thing in my life that has created great trust in God and stamina and endurance and the ability to say, you know what, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. There have been times that it produced heartache. There have been times that it produced anger. There are times that it produced despondence and apathy. There have been times that it produced feelings of failure and inadequacy. There have been times that it simply produced a a statement that says, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired of it. We can't stay there. Does God want us to stay there? Each time that that thing happens, I know now that when it's going to happen, I know that that sting is going to come, but it's going to be okay. Because each time that it happens, it causes me to turn immediately to God and say, I give it to you, and I trust you with it. And you have walked me through it before, and you will walk me through it again. And he is so, so faithful the times that that has provided that happened, God has seen us me through how many times? Every single time. Although it's still difficult and it can hurt, there's a fortitude. Everybody say fortitude. A determination that has been gained over the course of time. Paul dealt with it. Repeated exposure to pain. What does it create? It creates a determination. You know what really happens is the nonsense falls away. And what really matters comes to the forefront, right? 
And what's really important is what we focus on. Another aspect of his time is the ability to look at God's faithfulness in the past and his keeping power in the past and say, he kept me. He kept me through that 35 years ago. He kept me through that seven and a half months ago. He kept me through that. And we look at the passage of time and we let it be a record of his faithfulness, which also brings a determination to persevere. If he did it before, he'll do it again. He'll see us through the messy seasons. He'll see it. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes we go through it and it's not pretty, is it? It's not pretty. <laughs> Our perseverance is like pretty pitiful looking. But you know what? We persevered. In God, we persevered. Don't expect it to always look pretty. Third aspect of perseverance is trust. It is impossible to persevere without trust. The truth is, it's not even us who do the persevering. Who is persevering? It's God through us. Psalm 37.5 is the verse I shared for the baby dedication. Commit everything to the Lord. Trust Him and He will help you. Psalm 125.1 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. Here's the deal. If we deem God untrustworthy, we will struggle to persevere. If we decide in any aspect that God is not trustworthy, we're not going to persevere well. We have to know he's trustworthy. Going back to Hebrews, what did it say in that chapter 11? It said, by faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah, by faith, Isaac, by faith, Joseph, by faith, Moses. And it tells what each of them did by faith in the face of adversity. By faith. What is faith? It is trust. It's trust in the creator. It's trust that he can be good even when it's hard. The individuals knew and trusted God goodness in the trial. Critical to endurance and perseverance through difficulty is a belief that God is good. With all the bad in this world, if there's anything we need to believe, it's that God is good. It, it's all around us, lawlessness, border problems, economy problems, political problems, foreign policy problems. It's all around us. We have to have an intrinsic belief that God is good despite what's going on. Whatever problems in our home, we have to believe God is good. We must be convinced of God's goodness. When the diagnosis, the diagnosis is bad, God is good. When we have or inundated with bad news, God is still good. When we feel tired and weary, God is still good. When the same old temptation nags at us, God is still good. When not a single one of our children want to listen to us, God is still good. When a dozen eggs cost more than a flock of chickens, God is still good. When the elitists who run our country are making doo-doo of everything, yes, I said it, doo-doo, God is still good. When till death to us part has become a temptation rather than a vow, God is still good. I'm just kidding. When people from the four corners of the earth are all moving to North Texas and clogging up our freeways and littering our streets and messing up our housing prices, God is still good. Let me write that one down again. When all the people, I'm tired of traffic, Miss Vivian. God is still good. 
When your child is wayward, God is still good. When you made a bad decision, God is still good. When things are unfair, God is still good. He is good. He is good. If we doubt his goodness, we will find it very difficult to persevere. Perseverance, listen to this carefully. Perseverance is our own strength, is in our, <laughs> I got this, I promise. Perseverance in our own strength, I tell you to listen and then I fumble it. <laughs> Perseverance in our own strength reaches its limit and reaches a point of exhaustion. Anybody bear witness to that? Perseverance in our own strength reaches limits and reaches points of exhaustion. Perseverance in his strength is inexhaustible. Perseverance in God cannot be exhausted. It cannot reach a limit. So we just need to trust in him. Purpose. Perseverance has a purpose. In 1 Corinthians, um, if y'all get um, quiet in here, we'll do like we do in the little kids' classes, and we take out balloons and we get our wiggles out. Anyone want a balloon? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We won't do that yet. 1558, it says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, always doing your best and doing more than is needed. Your best and more than is needed, being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion, in the Lord is not futile nor wasted. It is never without a purpose. Never without a purpose. In another translation, it just simply says, Therefore, beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable always and bounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Is perseverance just for our benefit? Is it just for us? Why does Paul encourage us to run the race, to endure? What's the finish line? Do we get a trophy, a participation prize? A standing ovation, a certificate of completion. What do we get at the end of the race? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. What we have to be careful of is that in the struggles of life and in the seasons of difficulty, we can spend so much time complaining and worrying, personally not me, but y'all, complaining and worrying and fretting and fearing that we fail to see the greater good. So I used to work at Mervyn's department store, in the latter part, the latter few years, I did visual, where you do the displays and the mannequins and all that kind of stuff, back when they had mannequins and their arms would come off and all that stuff. <laughs> and I tended to be a perfectionist a little bit. And so I would get the mannequins and I have them all, and they get new merchandise and they say, okay, Sheila, what do you want you to do here? And so I get all the merchandise and they had them on platforms, and so you get matching shoes, and then you, you arrange all the racks, the clothing racks around them to, that coordinates with all that. And I'd get it all done, and, and then these shoppers had the audacity to come and buy it <laughs> and mess up my display. And I would go in there to the offices, and I'd say, I just put that together, and they've already started pulling stuff off the mannequin. They said, um, Sheila, you do realize that's why we do the displays. <laughs> Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> and I would get so irritated that all my hard work was being undone that I lost 
the focus of why, why we did the displays, which was so people would go, oh, that looks good, and they'd come by what was on the display. Well, we do that with our lives sometimes. We get so focused on having perfect kids and perfect houses, and per I do, but y'all, perfect everything, <laughs> and we lose focus of the greater good, the bigger picture. Our endurance isn't just for us. Our endurance is for everybody who's needing us to endure, right? They need us to endure. We, others need us to endure. What was Jesus' motive for what he did? Remember his prayer in the garden? And he's like, Lord, just never mind if there's another way. If there's another way to do this. But what did Jesus remember? He remembered the greater good. In, in the, the throes of anxiety and stress that he was dealing with, he stopped and he remembered, it's not just for me. It's for the ultimate greater good is what Jesus did for us, for the salvation of mankind. Jesus persevered, even in his darkest moment, he persevered. So there's a true story of a man named Private Desmond Doss, who was the Medal of Honor recipient in World War II, even though he never filed one single shot. He was a devout Seventh-day Adventist and a conscientious objector who enlisted as a medic so as to avoid using a weapon. When he was a child, he was fascinated with the Ten Commandments and in particular the Sixth Commandment about not killing, and that is what drove his commitment that I don't want to shoot a weapon. But he enlisted, and so he was a medic. In April of 1945, a very, very bloody battle took place at the top of a very sheer cliff called Hacksaw Ridge. It was fortified with Japanese machine guns and booby traps. Eventually, Doss's battalion was ordered to retreat, but Doss refused to leave any fallen comrades behind. Doss reportedly ran alone into the kill zone, carrying wounded soldiers to the cliff and single-handedly lowering them down to safety. He, is re he had rescued an estimated 75 to 100 men by himself. Each time he brought a man to that cliff, having faced death itself, exhaustion, pain, you can imagine the carnage that he saw. He'd get to that cliff and lower him down. And he said, Lord, give me the strength to get one more. Help me to get one more. And he'd go back and he'd get another one. Our endurance is a blessing to someone hurting. Who's, who helped him? The one he asked. When you think that you're at the bottom of it all and it's hopeless and you say, I've dealt with this for 25 years. I'm not going to deal with it another day. God, one more day. Help me to get through one more. One more. And while you're getting through that with the Lord's help, you remember that someone is waiting to be blessed by your endurance and your perseverance. Your children need a, you to endure and persevere. Your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your co-workers, your neighbors. This world needs believers to endure and to persevere. Amen. 
and to not give up. There should not be just one Desmond Doss. We should have rooms full of Desmond Doss saying, whatever it takes, God, give me the strength for one more and one more and one more and one more after that. By the way, there's a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. You can watch the story of his life. It's pretty gory, but it is a true depiction of what he went through. When we think we can't handle it, God can sustain us and he can strengthen us and he can use us for his glory. All right, for you visual learners, I have some images that tell us perseverance is a posture. Everybody say, perseverance is a posture. Okay, this is not the posture of perseverance. This is me at the salon waiting for my hair color to process. <laughs> and not having had a pedicure for seven years. <laughs> okay, so visual learners, we understand this is not the posture of perseverance. Next. <clears throat> this is not the posture of perseverance. If you're tucking your head saying, oh, no more, Lord, no more, get out of the bed, get on your feet, take them steps, and persevere. Next one. This is for all of us in here. To go. <laughs> this is not the posture of perseverance. This is what Richard does when his kids won't do what he says. But this is not the posture of perseverance. Next one. Here we go. Allison, this is not, where is she? The posture of perseverance. <laughs> no amount of caffeine can help you. It can help a little bit, but it's not going to get you through endurance. How many more do we have? Is there one more? I don't know. Yes, this, <laughs> this is not the posture of perseverance. This, when I turn the news on, this is what I want to do. I just want to go put my head in the sand and say, quickly, Jesus, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And then this one. This is the posture of perseverance. This is the posture of perseverance. Pick up your shield of faith and pick up your sword of God's word and put on the helmet of salvation and put on the belt of truth and put on your shoes of peace. What did I forget? Put it all on and persevere. What is the armor for? It's not supposed to be rusting in our closet. We have got to get dressed. We have got to be Desmond Doss. We have got to say, God, one more day. That boss that can't be pleased, God can help you. Those financial troubles that seem to overwhelm you, God can help you. Never give up. James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. You and I have crowns of life awaiting us where it matters, and that's in eternity. We have a crown of life. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. We have a good God who remains good no matter what, no matter how ugly our life battles can be. He is cheering you on. God is saying in that book in Hebrews, run, 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 run your race with endurance. Don't you give up. Don't you fall by the wayside. Don't you start doubting God. 
God. Don't you do any of that. You run and you keep running in his strength. Let me just tell you right now, Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew was beaten and crucified. James was stoned to death. James, the other James was beheaded. John was exiled for his faith. Judas was stoned to death. Matthew was speared to death. Peter was crucified upside down. Philip was crucified. Simon was crucified. Thomas was speared to death and Matthias was speared to death. We have a responsibility to the men and women of faith who preceded us to run our race and to run it with endurance, to honor our God and to honor those who have gone before us. We do it for ourselves, but we do it for our God to glorify his name and for all those depending on us to persevere. God is good.